Is Cuba a dictatorship? Is democracy a means to an end? And is the new potential reform of the official secrets act in the UK an attempt against freedom of expression and freedom of the press? I'm Ismail Pai Civico, and this is The Civic Podcast. Hello everyone, I'm Ismail Pai Civico and I wish you a very warm welcome to a new episode of the Civic Podcast. And more than new, after two months of inactivity, of two months after two months of not creating any content, not posting anything, we are back on track. We are back creating new episodes, new content, a variety of content now, because as you can see, this is indeed presented or presented by the, the Civic Space, which is a larger, bigger, overarching organization, let's say, in which I want to include the Civic Podcast. Because on the Civic Space, as you can see on our website, thecivicspace.org, there will be a, many more things apart from just podcasts. Um, of course, you can find all the YouTube videos there, all the podcasts on there, the RSS feed to add onto any platform you wish to listen to the podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, and so on. And of course, there'll be quite a few articles also written by myself and some of the people with whom I am I am working with to open the civic space. So of course, I couldn't have done this without them whatsoever. And that's a bit why I've been inactive, let's say, throughout the past couple of months. But I hope now the content will be a bit better, better organized, uh, a bit more consistent throughout the week. Ideally, we would like to do two to three episodes per week. So two weekly episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays and then one weekend episode on Sundays, let's say, with a guest, then that's why I changed the setting. I will no longer be on my desk. I am now in my living room, and this other chair there will be, let's say, hosting, or well, someone will be having, will be seating on, <laughs> um, having their seat on that chair in order to have that larger discussion. I got a bit distracted because my dog started walking around and I was really hoping he didn't, he wouldn't start bothering me to go out. But anyway, so as you can see again from the title today, the overarching, let's say, themes, there will be a bit more of democracy, of democracy. As you all know, I don't really actually think the titles before posting um, the video, let's say, because generally, well, before, before recording it, because I do prefer to, to, let's say, get into the topic and then see what title fits best but why democracy specifically? Because I think that throughout now, throughout the COVID uh, pandemic, we have had some extraordinary things that have happened, uh, especially on a political level, right? And I think the main question that people have been asking themselves is how much power are we willing to give to the government? And when is the use of that power actually justified, right? So a very easy example, we can be speaking about the curfews, which essentially is, um, is an attempt to restrict individual liberties or uh, freedoms, however you may call it, in your own language, for the individual in order to restrict, let's say, the propagation of the coronavirus, of that virus, uh, of that big um, health issue that we've been facing for the past year and a half now. So these measures can sometimes be justified, but the only issue is, is when we, we stop actually asking ourselves to which extent are they justified or can we actually keep using them? Because now that same excuse is being used for having curfews now, again, when most of the population is vaccinated, where you can say about, uh, well, different spikes on people getting infected, 
generally is younger people, but the issue is that younger people are not as vulnerable to the virus as older people. So is that an actual legitimate justification in order to keep attempting towards the individual liberties of the whole of the population, which is what essentially um, democracy is for, is to ensure those liberties there. That's why we have constitutions. That's why we have the law. That's why um, we can live the way we live uh, in the freest societies ever created, uh, which is safe to say that it is the West. And we'll be speaking about that quite quite later on because I do want to get into a bit the the culture war a bit later in a, in some other episode on how do we actually define the West, what happened in the West, um, what are the extraordinary things we did right, the extraordinary things not we did but it did. I don't like being myself included inside the, the Western collective, let's say, but I do live in it. So there's some discussion to have there a bit when it comes to collectives and, and individualism. Um, but in any case, we need to keep asking ourselves, what have we done right and what have we done wrong? And I think democracy is a thing that has been done right to, to a certain extent, even if each person has their own definition of it. And why don't want to get to a definition? Because I think people are under this misconception that democracy is an end. For me, in, in, in my view of it, democracy is more of it's more of a means, right? We don't we don't necessarily know the end of it exactly, um, because you can't apply your own outcome. If you start, if if you know already what outcome you want in itself, you don't have the fair democratic process of the exchange of ideas or the different possibilities that that may occur, uh, like choice. Uh, so if you already have a predetermined outcome, you don't really have that wide range of choices that democracy actually should ensure for the population in itself. It's like when it comes to elections, if you already have a determined outcome in a certain election um, and, and, and you're going to do anything, let's say, to, to get to that outcome, how is that real democracy? And that can be good maybe for, for rigging elections, for example. Um, and so on and so forth. So really, that that is a question. But people think that democracy is an end; that anything is justifiable in order to achieve that democracy. The only issue is that democracy is not um, uh, an immobile concept. Is it actually does transcend through time in a way, uh, in its essence, um, in the philosophical background of democracy in itself? And what do we want? What kind of power are you willing to give to the people? And why should the people have power? That those are the main questions need to be answered when it comes to democracy in itself. But people keep thinking that anything is justified. Now, we could say, okay, the French Revolution, um, that wasn't necessarily a very peaceful revolution, uh, far from it. And indeed, the idea was to achieve democracy in itself. But in an already democratic society, like is every single country in the West, I think we need to start reassessing the way they want to keep democracy alive and well and and healthy in a way. And healthy democracy is sustained through democracy in itself. It might, it, it, it might sound a bit paradoxical in a way, but, but I really do think that's the way that that we should approach this issue in itself is the free exchange of ideas, the free debate, the political elections, everything should be questions. And again, that's why I'm a big skeptic in a way or why I defend a lot of skepticism because I do think that everything needs to be questioned. Some people say that some things cannot be questioned whatsoever. That happens as much on the conservative side as on the as on the left side, uh, conservatives and progressives. Um, they all have their own standards to which they can they say this should not be questioned. My only issue is that that's why I actually question everything, even the things that I believe myself, because you need to tell yourself who in the end is applying these standards, right? And are, do these standards actually represent the the the, the the general population you're trying to apply them to. So if you apply some standards, let's say for Belgium, uh, is it gonna be one side that's gonna apply them for the other side, or is it gonna be the other side that's gonna apply them 
for the other side and vice versa. So that general question needs to be that tension, not, not let's say, um, call it like violent tension, like some people might think when, when they think about political tension, for example, but more of a healthy tension or that healthy exchange between the left and the right, between the conservatives and the progressives that is needed in order to sustain that society. And these set of questions um, have been a bit disregarded throughout the pandemic, because for example, now in Spain, they're pushing again to have more curfews, for example, um, or to have, let's say, again, restricted liberties towards the individual without any actual argumentation behind it. Or they're not arguing because they already did it, so they think they can do it again. So of course, I'm not against the fact to take extreme measures in extreme situations, that's always needed. And that's why you elect people in, in whom, let's say you have trust or you trust them. That's the general idea behind democracy is that there needs to be a common trust between the people. If you don't trust the people, democracy will fail eventually, right? Um, and why am I saying we need to start asking ourselves these questions? Because I want to bring up a bit the Official Secrets Act that has been again today in the conversation saying that they're going to put journalists and, um, and let's say whistleblowers in the same category as uh, espionage or spies because the, uh, the Official Secrets Act was actually at the beginning created in order to fight espionage. And now they are, but, but this has been going on for the past four or five years, uh, since 2016, 2017, they want to do a reform of, they want to do a reform of that act. And now in, at the end of 2020, they also said we need to do a reform now. And now what happened with Matt Hancock, Matt Hancock, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, the health minister in the UK after he, of course, he completely, uh, made a fool of himself having an affair with, with one of his employees. Essentially, he was using public money to pay one of his mistresses. Um, and they caught him on camera on CCTV footage, actually making out with this person uh, in the end that he was completely not respecting every single measure that he imposed for the population. So I think that's why the, 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 there was so much outrage in the UK from left and the right. Uh, I don't think I've seen any conservative in the UK actually defend Matt Hancock. Maybe Boris Johnson, he wasn't really speaking about it. He didn't want to get into that into that exact um, uh, conversation. He didn't, I didn't see him tweet. I didn't see him speak about that specific issue. But in the end, I think probably what happened behind the curtains is that they came to a common consensus and they said, mate, you need, you need to quit. You need to quit. Uh, this, this can no longer um, go because what you just did was just not acceptable. So of course he got divorced and then he's out of, of there. So anyway, so I think this is actually a, an, an off-route of what happened at that point is that what kind of things can be disclosed um, that are happening behind the curtains, right? So whether it's in Downing Street or, or, in, or, or, or in the Chamber of Representatives, um, I usually get mixed up a bit with the words because in each country it has their own word, but basically the parliament, uh, that would be a lot easier to describe it. But in any case, so they wanna try and restrict a maximum what kind of information can leak from there and who can say what. Um, I think that's a big mistake. I uh, haven't really actually read the act yet because I don't think it's out, the actual reforms I want to do for it, but The Guardian has been saying indeed in, in, in the criticisms that it's been espousing is that they're basically going to put journalists and whistleblowers in the same category as espionage. The way the government is presenting this, they are saying that basically, <clears throat> sorry, whistleblowers and journalists disclosing uh, confidential information from the government can actually be a lot more hurtful to the public, let's say, than espionage that only acts for one specific actor. So information can really attempt against the, the prosperity in the public or 
against the public common good. The only issue is there is how to actually define the public common good. Um, do you prefer bitter truths or sweet lies? And, and, and I think that's even a deeper conversation is, do we want the bitter truth? Do you want things that are actually happening even though it can cause mayhem and chaos? Or do we want the lies that so we all just keep living um, in the matrix without actually knowing what is going on? Um, I would prefer the former. Uh, specifically because I do think that the truth is the way forward because there's only one truth and then there are you can create as many lies as, as you want uh, essentially and the problem is that if you fall into one lie you have no justification to why not to fall into more lies after that and I think that's one of the main issues now uh, of course these are a lot deeper conversations but I do think that's at, at, at the root of these kind of acts is that people are really they don't have trust in the population to get in order for them to know the truth, right? This happens a lot with absolutely everything. Uh, it happens with, 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 the, with the conversation of IQ, it happens with the conversation of LGBT, happens with the conversation of the wage gaps, it happens with the, com with the conversation of, of systemic discrimination or systemic racism, uh, however you may, you may want to call it. And it really is a lack of trust within the population in itself, which I think we need to reassess a bit how we define uh, interpersonal relations between each and every one of us. So coming back to the, uh, to the Official Secrets Act, um, like I said, I think it, it's a big mistake because firstly, if everyone knows there are state secrets, there are secrets that need to stay in the state, especially because foreign powers cannot get their hands on them. Uh, we can take the, the, the biggest, let's say, caricature, and that's the, the big blinded, protected room underneath the White House where they have that button to completely nuke the whole world. Um, atomic bombs and whatever, right? Um, not really sure if it exists, nobody actually knows. Probably the president should know, uh, even though right now with his current mental state, I'm not entirely sure he even knows where his own room is. But apart from that, um, these are things that really need to be confidential at a state level. But at that point, you should really make an effort to keep them secret, right? I don't think if we start applying more and more restrictions to journalists uh, and whistleblowers, that would actually make the case better you're just going to restrict again the freedom of press and the freedom of expression and why is this freedom of express and freedom of expression extremely important and again this is one thing upon which quite a few conservatives uh, and progressives agree on that you do that not everything uh, is justified you can't say everything you can't say whatever you would like and that's where i disagree with them is that i prefer more that is the people themselves that have the tools at their disposal to actually be able to discern what is the truth and what is a lie. Because if you have external powers already deciding what is for them the truth and what is for them a lie, um, it can very easily fall down into, into tyranny and general corruption because then you have that monopoly of information essentially. And that's something where again, they concur. And I think that's why in some specific matters I'm more in the middle and some of the matters are more on the left, some of the matters are more on the right. So it's not really easy to define. And I think for most people, it is that indeed they are, they don't really know how to approach the conversation of freedom of expression and freedom of the press, right? And, and it's when it comes to another thing, if you start applying more restrictions to whistleblowers, the next whistleblower that may come may not even actually be confident enough to blow that whistle, to call out whether it needs to be called out in whatever organization uh, that they are working in. And we really need to be careful when it comes to the restrictions of free speech and freedom of expression. That's why I'm more of an absolutist in that, in that regard, is that I think that everything should be able, ev 
everything needs to have at least the right to be said and then it's up to the general population it's up to civil society indeed to discuss it and them for themselves actually discern what is just and what isn't what is um or what is just and unjust what is the truth and what is a lie okay and these sort of restrictions you are seeing um, all over all over when it comes now i had a conversation with someone where, when it came to cuba and it was a very i asked them a really easy question because we was speaking about socialism and the free market and liberalism and i asked them the easiest question that you can ask someone when they claim to be a socialist and you ask them uh, okay give me an example of a socialist country that has worked in the past or in, in the present uh, <laughs> for for that matter and they said cuba and especially what was what is going on in cuba i found that really really astonishing that that person had the, the might let's say or even dared to say cuba with everything that's happening uh, there right now and then they came like cuba has the best healthcare system uh, that there is uh, in all of the americas um and anyway but so even okay that that's completely a lie of course so the united states and canada has a better healthcare system than cuba i don't think anyone uh, denies that and if they do i would really suggest them to look at videos and pictures on how the hospitals in Cuba are just to just to see and seeing what kind of conditions people are getting treated um, and generally the uprising right now and the and the violence going on in Cuba is just a general protest of the population that want to take down the communist regime and some politicians in Spain saying it's not a communist regime it's not a dictatorship well just to, to give that answer because I've heard it more than once and I think it's just really um, I find that how I would call it I find that disgusting in a way that some people have the might to say that Cuba is not a dictatorship and just for that I'm just going to read out article 5 of the Cuban constitution so it says the communist party of Cuba Martian and Marxist Leninist the organized vanguard of the Cuban nation is a superior leading force of the society and the state which organizes and orients the common efforts towards the high objectives of the construction of socialism and the progress towards the communist society. So that's just Article 5. And, and you can read the, the, uh, the whole constitution. It's actually quite, quite mind-blowing when that's, things like that are in the constitution and people still say that it's not a dictatorship when they've had the same government, oh, sorry, the same party uh, in power for now the past 60 years. So even if the claim that Cuba did indeed have the best healthcare system, the best public education system, um, a an, an abundance of, of goods and services uh, that everyone really is, is rich and wealthy. Even if that were the case, I would still not defend the Cuban government. Why? Because it's not a democracy. And that's why when I keep saying that the ends do not justify the means, even if you want to get to, to a certain state of prosperity, the, the way you achieve that prosperity is not always justified. It's like when people, Frankists in Spain say, yeah, well, Franco wasn't that bad. Uh, the, the the life in Spain actually got very much improved uh, throughout the Franco era. Uh, okay, but he was still a dictator. That is not questioned. And the issue what, what, when you start to 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 let's say to to, to downwash uh, some people's crimes just because they made your life better is that in the end everything is justified and not everything is justified. Especially now when 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 you see in Western society that democracy has been the best thing that has ever happened to humanity has allowed us indeed to to prosper and to live in peace with the what well, with the free market essentially uh, that's really what what is keeping democracy in place is people being able to trade uh within countries in a more general manner um 
and again, people do not realize this, that people are even defending Cuba, saying because is there is there communist utopia. Well, firstly, it's not an utopia because life there is completely miserable. And, and secondly, it is indeed a dictatorship. And that's the only way that communism can actually sustain itself is through the arbitrary appliance of power towards its population because again a lack of trust that's all that communism is is a lack of trust in the population where the state needs to play god in order to do the whole redistribution of absolutely every single good and service that a country may need in order to sustain itself and then there's some people saying oh but cuba is only like this because of external powers foreign powers foreign countries applying well arbitrary blockades towards the um exports let's say of of goods into into cuba right well that that's playing their own game when it comes to cuba right now back back in the 60s and the 70s they were no we can also we can sustain ourselves with everything with all our national product they want to nationalize every single private company and private corporation that's essentially what communism wants to do and socialism wants to do also they want to make everything public everything in the hands of the state um, and, and indeed, they saw that that hasn't worked out. You don't have enough resources in only one country to actually sustain the whole of the population or at least have a good and prosperous society inside it. You need you need international trade with other countries. And now they basically beat them at their own game. I mean, if, if you want to enter the free market, if you want to enter an international trade, there are some standards that you need. And, and again, this comes back because I know I said before we shouldn't apply standards. But then this, this conversation needs to keep happening. So the, the standards can be applied in themselves. The only issue is that, for me, they can't be set in stone. Uh, and if they are, it has to be for every single individual when it comes to my moral and ethical values. For myself, they are set in stone. Those are things that I shouldn't, that I'm not going to wave on. Because if I do, then they're not, they're no longer, um, they're no longer my values or no longer my ethics. Um, but again, this is a conversation that can go back and forth. Uh, and I think that's why it's, it's very, very needed nowadays. So, so anyway, so, so, so coming back to that, there are some international standards that you need to respect when it comes to entering the international market, like having a democracy, like not locking up journalists, like not killing artists, um, like not having policemen shoot uh, people in the street with no, with no guns, uh, that hasn't been an armed revolution. Um, and, I, and, I, and I do know this conversation, there are a lot more caveats than I want to that I'm actually I'm displaying right now, especially because I said, uh, well, democracy uh, is a means and not an end, specifically. But that, I mean, specifically for already democratic countries, already countries where you have a certain amount of freedom of expression, that you can express your ideas against the government generally. Uh, you can elect your, your, your government officials, your public officials, through elections every X years, whether it's three, four, five, six years, however many years. Now, when it comes to Cuba, I will not endorse armed revolution, even in, in a dictatorship. I don't think that's the best way forward. I think the 20th century has indeed allowed us, when it comes specifically, uh, a big movement that I highly admire was the, um, was the civil rights movement back in the 50s and the 60s in, in, in the United States, that indeed, well, headed by Martin Luther King, one of them at least, that they tried to use word and conversation as the most powerful tool. And I, and I do still keep thinking that conversation and words and expressing yourself and freedom of that exchange of ideas is the best way forward in order to obtain 
that peace and prosperity and democracy that every country wants to have. So this conversation is not a trivial conversation, but it really comes to the to the actual founding of what we mean by democracy in itself. It goes the same by the EU now, when you have the questions when we speak about Eurosceptics or the people that are against the EU or for the EU, how much power are you willing to give to the EU, right, to this supranational organization, political organization, um, that do has that does have some a certain amount of competences uh, towards national countries. It's been happening now with the with what well, with the situation in Hungary that apparently the EU is going to court against Hungary, saying that they are attempting against the fundamental rights, uh, the EU, the, the EU fundamental rights generally that every individual should have. But then again, in Article Forty Six of that, it says that every parent, every parent does have the the freedom to educate the children however they may desire. So. Um, this also, when it comes to Hungary, I, I won't get too much into, into that topic today, as I haven't really, haven't read the act yet of what happened in Hungary, and I'm not entirely sure all of the details that need to be known. But there is one thing I know about Hungary, that Hungary is not a dictatorship. And um, that's when people come and start applying their own definition of democracy towards others. They're saying if they, if they don't like that democracy, then for them it's directly a dictatorship. Um, you can criticize and you can, be against or not agree at all with Viktor Orban's policies in, and of course you can, that's why we live in a free society, because you can criticize them and you can actually debate them and discuss them, excuse me. But to go from there and say that a country that their president has been democratically elected is a dictatorship, it's just um, counterproductive and disingenuous and it's just a blatant lie. And we're not gonna go anywhere with that. That's not the way to go. If you don't like something, the the goal is not to censor it or to say you don't agree, um, or, or to say that's a lie or say it's, it's disinformation. We've been seeing that with lots of fact checkers now, where again, on in the public, uh, well, in the on, on the online public sphere, social media uh, companies have been playing God. They have been saying what is, what, what is, what is the truth and what isn't the truth. Um, and again, I think this all, this comes back again to the to the Official Secrets Act into saying that if you attempt against the public good, let's say, or public prosperity, that that can be, uh, well, they're also trying to uh, highly augment the, the years in jail for, for whistleblowing or for espionage, at least put them in the, in the same category, right? Um, and, and, and I think this is extremely, extremely dangerous. I mean, we've, we've seen that with COVID. Everything that they said at the beginning of the year, when people were saying that, COVID did not come from a bat. COVID came from a lab in Wuhan in China. I said at the beginning, I still believe it. There's no proof against it and there's no proof for it either. But in the vast range of options, I think that's the most viable one and that's the, the most logical one um, inside the whole span of, of options that we have from where actually COVID came from. And the idea to know where it came from is not really to start saying China, you owe us this, China, this, the whole the fault of China, the fault of the Chinese. That's not the idea why we want to know where it came from. The idea why we want to know where COVID came from is so it doesn't happen again. We need to know how it happened, how it got propagated, and why didn't anyone say anything so that same issue does not happen again. It most probably will in my lifetime, unless I die tomorrow in the next month or in the next years maybe, but in my lifetime, I hope to, to live as long, those things will continue to happen. And the problem is if you start restricting free speech, which is one of the fundamental pillars of democracy, we're really, really going down a muddy road of censorship. 
and this is something again that the British government is trying to do right now, which I think is a big mistake. When the actual act comes forward and the actual changes to the act come forward, uh, I'll be able to read them a bit more in detail. But I think that is something that, again, democracy needs to be a means. It needs to be a process. Um, if we start to forget the process of democracy just because we think we've achieved it, that's where we actually gone wrong. It's like the philosophical process. There's no end point to it. The philosophical process is, is a constant questioning of your own knowledge. That's how you actually, let's say, get to know the truth. And these are deeper questions. This is not saying if one plus one equals two, um, that's a fact. Why? Because it has been applied that way and the number one, we've given, a, we've given a value to the number one and we've given a value to the number two. And that's why we can say that one plus one equals two because it is a fact. When it comes to the, to, to the inherent truth, uh, in itself behind democracy, I think that's more of an ongoing conversation that needs to keep getting applied in order to sustain itself uh, in a healthy democracy. And I think that that should not be forgotten for, for, for the general part. People should not protect or, or let's say, um, well, should not protect essentially the dictatorships just because they, they defend the ideas that they like that they like, like every single socialist or communist that is defending the Cuban government. The, the, the Cuban government has no defense whatsoever in what it's doing right now to the Cuban population. Um, and even again, I'm gonna repeat what I said before, even if Cuba was the best country in the world to live in, it does not still justify the fact because it is a dictatorship in comparison to every single Western country, every single, in the, every single country in the EU, every single country in North America, every single country, uh, well, um, New Zealand, Australia, and some of the countries around the world. So not just Western society, it is indeed true that a lot of countries uh, have now adopted democracy um, in their own public framework, uh, let's say. So we, we are going somewhere and I think there's no debate well, well, this should be a debate, of course, because it, it needs to be questioned. But from what we've seen right now, that democracy is the best way forward. And democracy isn't just saying that we've achieved it. Democracy is to keep asking yourself, have we achieved it and how can we actually make it better? This, of course, can go really bad, really badly or really well. Uh, but again, the latter or the other alternative, better, better said, uh, is a lot worse. The other alternative is to conform yourself with the current standards that have been applied without asking yourself or yourself, are those the right standards uh, that should be applied? And that goes right now for the COVID restrictions. We should always ask ourselves, is this even fair? Is there, are there enough arguments or is there enough reason behind the fact to attempt again against the, the individual uh, freedoms of, of, of every single person or every single citizen uh, in, inside a certain country or, or a certain geographical circumscription like could be maybe continental Europe or the European Union? in itself, this comes again to Cuba. Should we actually, should the people, even if you are a socialist, even if even if you are a social democrat, are you willing to say, are you willing to protect the Cuban government just by saying that they defend your own ideas of a maximum redistribution of wealth and um, make every single company, corporation, um, or, well, anything essentially public in, in the hands of the public administration and in the hands of the government? Uh, and these are questions that need to be that need to keep getting asked for essentially everyone. And I do hope to go at some point a bit more in depth inside these issues, but I do, I did want to come through this because when I, when I read about the official, um, the official Secrets Act, it did a bit um, open my mind to the question in itself on when is censorship 
justified and I don't think it ever is and it never should be because we can't let some people to actually decide what is just and what is fair that needs to be the common society in itself through dialogue through conversation um, and through the exchange of ideas that can only be ensured with the freedom of expression and the freedom of the press freedom of the press is just freedom of expression just has a bigger and larger scale and also freedom of the press can be applied let's say or can actually attempt against the people uh sharing things on social media that has become the new agora or the new marketplace the new area where people exchange their own ideas but anyway so i did want to speak about democracy in a more in a more larger sense um not really let's say structured in the way that i wanted to bring up these stories especially what's happening in cuba that's no debate that's a dictatorship uh, the official secret side that's happening now in the uk but i will try to keep everyone posted on on the developments of this act and what exactly is going to be reformed in it and what will be the changes uh, and especially now how much power you're willing to give to the government now when it comes to covid um is everything justified or is nothing justified and i think that's a common question that people need to keep asking themselves and just don't be a conformist. Keep asking yourself. Use the, the democratic process in order to get to your own conclusion or what you think is just and fair or true or false. There's only one truth. There are a variety of, of falsities. But in any case, I think I'm going to leave it there for today. So again, uh, thank you everyone for, for listening. I am hoping that throughout a bit of the weeks, uh, the content will get better. I do have someone now working with me, which I will hope I will present them to you quite, quite soon. He will also help me to develop a bit of the content. Some articles are being posted regularly or weekly, um, better, better said, on the civicspace.org. So please make sure to go and check the article. First article I wrote uh, about non-identified opinion, which I already spoke about on this podcast in episode 13. And on the website, you can also find every single podcast on there to go and listen to it on, on your, on your favorite podcast uh, application. Um, and also you have the videos and you have articles and you can contact us and of course you can donate on PayPal if, if, if you would like to get a better camera because I know that this camera is really bad but <laughs> anyway um, that's it for today please make sure to follow us on the civic space um, on Instagram which is at the civic space and on Facebook which is just the civic space and then if you want to send us an email about a topic you would like us to or myself more like on this podcast specifically to speak about you can always send an email to contact at the space.org so without further ado i will see you in the next episode and thank you everyone for listening i wish you a very great evening